a code red for humanity, curb emissions and dramatically reduce consumption or face a world that is fundamentally different. When Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. I want you to know that he was wrong. He was wrong. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, 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 blah. It is unequivocal that human activities are responsible for climate change. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero Carbon East Talk. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 3, The Sky's the Limit. I'm Ian Collins of The New Biz. This is the only podcast of its kind that will give you the real lowdown on all the major environmental stories alongside some honest and qualified opinion. Many try this. Few have succeeded, I have to say. Our man in the hot seat for each episode is Dale Vince. Dale is an entrepreneur and environmentalist. He's built a huge success in the green energy sector. He's the owner of Ecotricity. For the uninitiated, that's the world's first green energy company. He's also the owner of Forest Green Rovers. Morning, Dale. Yeah, morning, Ian. And now I'm, of course, the new friend of Vladimir Putin. Yeah, what's going on here? Are you and Vlad been texting or something? <laughs> well, the thing is, he, he intervened in Europe's energy crisis verbally, uh, this week. Uh, it was yesterday, in fact. Uh, yeah. Prices went crazy. Uh, I mean, even compared to the the new crazy, they went crazy. And uh, he, he intervened in the debate and said, look, he was willing to supply more gas to Europe and everything cooled off, dropped 40%, that kind of stuff, you know, which shows you that what's driving this market is fear and sentiment, not not actual production, supply and demand. But anyway, the point he made, which I repeated on radio and TV, because I think it's a really important point. He said, Europe have created their own problems here because they've turned away from long-term gas contracts. And long-term gas contracts are the same thing as, as energy companies hedging their power, buying it forwards. And the reason for all the failures in the market, one of the big reasons, is a lack of forward buying. So yep. what he's saying is Europe don't buy forwards anymore. Europe prefers to buy on the spot market, which is like the pinnacle – of free enterprise and capitalism. The price changes every minute of every day. And of course, capitalists love that. And energy traders love that. The volatility is where they make their money. And Putin just made a very sensible point. If you bought your con- uh, your energy under long-term contracts, you would have price stability. So I repeated that. And suddenly it's like, yeah, what's happening? You're a Putin's friend and this yeah. kind of stuff, which is amusing. Uh, but actually... The, the the most amusing source it came from was from our local green uh, candidate uh, to be MP, and and we've been having a little chat on Twitter about it. I'm like, it doesn't matter that it came from Vladimir Putin. You've got to look at what he said. What he said is actually the yeah, truth, yeah. you yeah. know. And if you blind yourself with prejudice because you don't like the man, then you're missing something because what he said is the truth. I was trying to Google uh, Dale Vince and Vladimir Putin, and then clicked on images to see if there was <laughs> you two horse riding together. You know, when he did his topless horse riding, I thought there might be one of Dale there doing the same thing or maybe having a picnic or something i did an interview once at forest green with uh, russian tv and they were bemused by the whole vegan thing and i did offer to send a q pie to vlad and and uh, <laughs> they, they weren't much impressed actually yeah <laughs> um, i've got a feeling if you send food to vlad it probably gets intercepted quite quickly it may well it, it may be. well um britain and the u.s don't want a safe and healthy environment to be a human right did you see this story I haven't seen that one. No, do tell. I mean, it's an, it's incre- when you read the headline to something like this, you think, hang on a second, they don't want a right to a clean environment to be a human right. This is Britain and the US are among a few countries withholding support for a proposal 
brought in at the United Nations that would recognise access to a safe and healthy environment as a human right. And they've mm. said they're not really into putting that Got on it. the bullet point list of what is a human right. Got it. But look, I'm not surprised to hear that Britain takes that stance because the whole post-Brexit thing is about cutting down on environment regulations. Uh, the Tory conference this week, there was a lot of talk about basically uh, killing off the Human Rights Act uh, and that kind of stuff. So I'm entirely not surprised that Britain is in that camp. I am surprised that the US is with Biden now at the helm, but uh, hey-ho. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, unless there's kind of legal ramifications with sticking that into law. I don't know how vulnerable that would make a state if you could sue the government for oh. not being safe and healthy. Then, yeah. I mean, uh, we could all sue them, couldn't we? Yeah, no, I mean, this will be why they don't want it in law, because there are always legal ramifications when you make a law and then don't stick to it, and yeah. they will be afraid of being sued. And, you know, again, coming back to the Tory conference, it was really instructive to hear so many people arguing that the law in our country is being abused. They want to kill off the right to a judicial review, for example, because they claim that people are trying to use the law to usurp Parliament, which is, you know, really deeply ironic and, and fatuous when, in fact, you know, the courts merely uphold the law. Parliament makes the law, and if Parliament finds itself on the wrong side of the law, that's Parliament's fault, yeah, not, yeah. Not, not, the, not the lawyers or government rather than Parliament. But, um, yeah, I mean, this seems to be a theme anyway right now with our government and, and the Conservative Party is that uh, the law is out of control because it's actually controlling them. And, yeah. uh, you know, we've got to drop environment regulations now that we're out of Europe, change the Human Rights Act, drop judicial reviews, all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, this is what Brexit is really all about. Yeah. And apparently there's too many white men discussing uh, climate change. <laughs> In which case we have to stop right now, Ian. Yeah. Or we're, we're adding fuel to the fire. Well, indeed, yes, that's true. We're, we're doing nothing to uh, address this headline. A worrying lack of diversity in climate change decision-making policy experts have warned after a study found the voices of people of colour make up just 3% of discussion on the issue. Wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a bit I, I mean, I don't know what you do about that other than try and get more people involved in the debate, regardless of colour, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. We can't stop talking about it because we're white. Anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim to be quarter gypsy. So There you um, go. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, this from Gwen on Twitter. Will the government step in and keep our energy bills artificially low, says Gwen? <laughs> they have. And that's the most um, mad thing that they've done. This is the King Canute-like pose that they've adopted since the start of this crisis. They're saying, we'll protect consumers. We won't let energy prices rise. But the fact is, energy prices coming into our country have gone up fivefold. And yeah. They're being inconsistent because when the fertilizer factory up north shut down because they couldn't afford gas, it made them uneconomic, uh, the government stepped in with a, an untold number of millions of pounds, they won't say how much, to reopen the factory and then told them to put their prices up. And this week, they told industry that were complaining they would have to also shut down other industry. They said, that's, a, that's fine, just put your prices up, um, which is mad because they're saying to energy companies, you cannot put your prices up. And so 12 have gone bankrupt already. There will be another 12 this winter for sure, unless the government drops the ideology and the political posturing of saying, don't worry, we'll protect consumers because they can't. We pay one way or the other, disruption, bankruptcy, stranded customers. Uh, you know, it all costs and, and it gets paid by the taxpayer, which is us energy bill payers one way or yeah. the other. Do you have to, I mean, has Ecotricity had to hoover up 
customers that were elsewhere? Is that how it works? No, and and we're avoiding those auctions that Ofgem runs. Every time somebody goes bankrupt, they look for the best bid, which usually means who's going to take on the most debt. And, and leave the, le- the least behind. It's yeah. an odd kind of auction, uh, but we're avoiding those. We have had a, uh, you know, a few blips of customers joining us, mostly when I'm on the radio and stuff talking about the energy crisis, but it's, it's more or less background level, so that's yeah. fine. On that point, Tom says, uh, you're constantly on my TV and radio in 2021, Dale. It's not a criticism, by the way. Uh, <laughs> he says, why weren't they listening to you a decade ago? Uh, that's a fair question. I was chatting on the radio yesterday, actually, uh, or last night, LBC it was, just talking about the fact that we haven't had a coherent energy policy for probably 20 years. And all of the problems that we're facing right now, the kind of structural problems that we have in the energy market, they were around 20 years ago. We could see them coming, aging nuclear fleet, you know, that kind of stuff, depleting North Sea. Uh, but we've just done nothing about it. And we still don't actually have an energy policy. Um, I mean, Boris Johnson did launch something new this week uh, at the Tory party conference. Um, what was it? It was uh, 100% green electricity on the grid by 2035, which sounds pretty fab. I mean, I think it could be done by 2030 and needs to be, but 2035, I'm not going to quibble with that, actually. Uh, but it does include two nuclear power stations, two, two new ones. Which you um, will quibble with. Which I will quibble with, yeah. I mean, I think you'd be lucky if you can get new nuclear on the grid by 2035 anyway. And, of course, the cost is enormous. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, nearly three times the the normal market price for energy or renewable energy, in fact, which is still falling in price. And so new nuclear locks in kind of energy crisis levels of pricing onto our energy bills, you know, so it compounds the cost of energy problem. Yeah. It won't come uh, in time. I mean, 15 years from now, it's too late, you know. Uh, but apart from that, he launched a new plan. I don't think it amounts to an energy policy, but it is uh, a stab in the right direction. Did you go? Because you were penciled in to try and go to the Tory conference, weren't you? Did you go? Did you get in? Yeah, well, I was I was always going to go, even though I had my pass cancelled. Um, but in the meantime... Who cancels um, Dale Vince's pass? <laughs> yeah, a, a very sensitive Tory party, it would appear. Pubs are running the place over there. Let's cancel his. <laughs> let's cancel the energy man, the green energy man's pass. That's a good look. That's mad, isn't it? So the the guys at the Express said, "Let's go to the Tory party conference. Come and join us." Obviously, we've been working together on the Green Britain campaign all year, um, and get a media pass and join the team. So we applied online, got the pass. Everything was fine. Two days later get an email from somebody at the organizing committee or whatever, I don't know, saying, oh, Dale Vince is actually there in Eureka Trisley. He's not a journalist. He can't come. Um, and I was like, well, wow, you know, um, I've been writing for the um, for the Express all year, like yeah. nearly 40 articles on you know, sustainability and stuff. Sure. You know, I mean, I'm not claiming that I have a career as a journalist, but I think I probably qualify to be a, a media person. But then they, the editor of the Express wrote to them to say, look, you know, he's one of us. He works for us, uh, you know, give him a pass, yeah. but they would, they would not relent. In the end, they gave me a pass as an exhibitor for the Daily Express, which is a bit amusing, as I told them when I picked it up, because the Express weren't exhibiting. They didn't have a stand, um, yeah. but, but I was an exhibitor for the Daily Express. Which is I love weird. the idea of you showing up in a van with, like, you know, <laughs> charts and things in the back and um, <laughs> a little stage set up that you've got to build just to prove your exhibitor credentials. 
Yeah, mad. Yeah, they they didn't care about the lack of an exhibit. They they, I think <laughs> just, they just want to keep me out of the media briefings. I think you know prevent me asking the awkward questions. But I mean, lots of people go to. Yeah, I mean, it it just doesn't take a genius to go. Okay, well, this this is clearly a legit application, and you know, I don't know whether there's conspiracy behind it or just bad admin. Probably the latter, but it's not oh. a good look. No, you know what? I think they're sensitive to criticism. I think it was. Uh, I think they didn't want me in the media briefings uh, with the opportunity to ask yeah. difficult questions. And if you look at what they did to the uh, Windrush campaigners, two of them, they actually prevented them from going in. Um, and they they had bought passes as ordinary people to attend a conference. They were asked why they wanted to come in, and they said, "Well, just the same reason as everybody else to network and meet people, and yeah. you know, and promote their their cause." And and the um, they said no, and they wouldn't let them in. I mean, wow, do we live in a democracy? Well, I was going to say, well, why do you want to come in? Well, because it's the governing party of the day's annual conference. I mean, that might be something that lots of people might want to go to, (laughs) even if you absolutely bloody hate them. There's nothing wrong with wanting to go to the governing party's conference. No, Fairly healthy thing to do, I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I don't know about healthy, but... Well, um, in, a, in a curious way. In terms of mental point. health, it was a very weird experience for me. I, you know, I honestly felt like I was visiting an alien planet. I got a lot of strange looks, and uh, that was partly due to the way I was dressed, because obviously I was wearing a blue suit and a tie and stuff like that. Um, but it was it was a genuinely culture shock type experience for me. And then I heard a few speeches and stuff. Uh, took part in a, an event or attended an event with the Express for the Common Sense Group of Tory MPs and Blue Collar, something yeah. like that. Just listening to what they say was really interesting. What what nobody at the conference talked about was what was happening outside of the room: fuel shortages, uh, food shortages, worker shortages. You know the kind of crisis that's crises that's gripping Britain right sure. now. Wouldn't talk about it. Uh, they talked about the great opportunities after Brexit, controlling our own immigration, the big future that Britain has. It was just that, only that. And, uh, and like they're living in some kind of deluded bubble. They wouldn't talk about what was happening in the country. It reminded me of like an old Victorian musical as, as they they introduced each big speaker. You know, there was, there was Pretty, there was Grant, there was uh, Sajid, and then, of course, you know, the big, he's bonkers, he's Boris, and he's here. And you can always hear a man hitting the hammer on the corner as he came on to his clown music, and the place erupted as the, the big number one turn of the, of the session. Boris Johnson showed up on the stage to entertain, and it was like watching a, um, you know, a slightly dodgy stand-up comedian rather than a, a prime minister. Yeah. And and I think he's become more Trump-like recently, actually, in that he's, you know, just passing the responsibility for everything to somebody else. I mean, this week, the government blamed the road haulage uh, industry for the lack of drivers and, and therefore the lack of everything. <laughs> and and I just, I, I mean, you know, I'm incredulous at that, that they don't run the country. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the great game, isn't it? And, and Tories, well, I suppose any party, but in this case, the Tories, they love that, don't they? Love to hear that the leader, as if he's as if he's telling it like it is, and actually, it's often just a crock of shit made up. It is. It is. It's just. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he plays to that audience really well, and and it's like there's a there's an unwillingness to accept responsibility for anything, which is very Trump-like, and uh, and so far it's working like a coat of Teflon. I mean, nothing's sticking at the moment. Yeah. 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 Oh, and it puts a Labour in a, a curious place, doesn't it? Because, you know, if you look at how these things, I, I debate it with our listeners on the radio. Um, I mean, Keir Starmer gave a very sort of fairly downbeat speech, 
didn't really light anything up. Um, and Johnson comes along like this bull in a china shop. And, you know, if nothing else, he gets full house points for energy and he gets full house points for positivity. Uh, the fact that there's no substance in there, so, which is, should be the most concerning thing, is almost irrelevant uh, because yeah. he, he gives off a, a feeling. Yeah, it's like politics has become a show, the art of talking rather yeah. than the art of doing. Curious. Naomi actually says on Facebook, did the Tories turn you on? Are you now a donor? Oh, I think it said turn me, not turn me on. <laughs> I did read that one. So, <laughs> I hope that said what I read did, it to be. Well, I mean, politically turn you on. <laughs> no, but you're I, not a donor. I'm not a donor, no. I'm not a donor. I, I was I was really, I'm glad I went. It was a very interesting experience. And I had some interesting chats and there were some decent people there. You know, I bumped into, oddly enough, a few people that I knew from like South Gloucestershire where we've got a wind farm. Yeah. Uh, and, and I met an ex-Tory MP from Strad and the current Tory MP. And, and that was a bit of a surprise. But um, no, I'm not a donor. I haven't become a Tory. But, you know, I want to engage with them. That was really what I was there of for. Course. I was yeah. hoping for the chance to talk about green gas. And it did come up in the uh, event that I went to. The Express editor brought that up. And, uh, you know, the room liked it. The idea that Britain can make its own gas from grass, be independent, that kind of stuff. I mean, it strikes a few Tory chords, I think. Of course. Of course. Um, here's a great story. Daily meat consumption in the UK has fallen by 17%. In the last decade. Now, it's apparently not happening quick enough to hit certain national targets. But that surprised me it was that high. Because if somebody had told me it had gone up, I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. But, you know, I think it said 17 grams a day. I, I looked for the 17%, couldn't find it. Because there's a study uh, that I read, or not a study, but, uh, you know, an, an article uh, just a few days ago that said 30% in a decade. You know, it um, recommends that meat consumption in the UK should fall by 30% over the next decade. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, different thing. In the last decade, it has fallen by 30%. I, I see the national food strategy say it should fall by 30% in the next 10 years, yeah. which, which is brilliant. And, and it kind of tees into our green gas story from last yeah. week, which is rumbling on, uh, which I'm glad for. Uh, you know, the, uh, there's a lot of questions around, is there enough land? Can it, can we really grow enough grass to do this? And, and, you know, how big are the impact actually on our diets and what we need to, to see in order to make room for enough grass to, to heat all of Britain's homes yeah, is yeah. a 1% reduction in red meat consumption every year for 10 years, which sure. sits very comfortably under the, under the target of 30% from the national food strategy. Yeah. Um, so I like that. You know, it's a, it just makes it just means that it's a really sensible plan. It's kind of it fits within the direction of travel that we have to take anyway. Uh, this one from Paul. What's your prediction for the big game with Swindon this weekend? I predict fun. Uh, I think we said five nil for a second. <laughs> no fun. Yeah. Big crowd. Uh, great atmosphere. We're we've got some um, something quite quite new that we're going to unveil at the game okay. and, and we'll forbid me from saying more than that uh, but that's going to be fun it's televised on sky as well which always uh, adds to a bit of atmosphere and nice. um, i think we'll win but look i think it'll be a tough game i think i want us to win that's probably what i really mean yeah, i yeah. think it'd be a tough game so we're a good team but you know we are also a good team and we are top of the league but i was going to say yeah I, I think there will be panic over there at swindon on this one well panic would be the wrong word but probably <laughs> Probably the right word, actually. Now I think about it, I think they'll. I think they're bothered by you guys. 
I hope so. We, we, um, I mean, we like Swindon. I like Swindon. They're, they're good people over there. We tried to get them in an electric uh, coach for the day uh, to travel to us because it's not a long journey. And we found some electric coaches in London and uh, we felt it'd be a great thing to do. They could have been the first football team in the world to travel to an away wow. game by an electric bus. They didn't want to do it. It was a bit short notice. And I think I understand usually uh, there would be a fear of disrupting the normal routine and stuff and having an impact on the game. And I think yeah, that's yeah. probably behind it. But uh, yeah. we are instead going to do that ourselves. We're going to travel to an away game uh, in an electric coach in the next couple of months. Fantastic. Um, final one here, Google and YouTube cracking down on climate denial. I was kind of surprised they hadn't done that already because there's been a lot of, you know, these companies have been in the headlines for not cracking down on misinformation certainly around covid and things like that and mm. you know they claim they're doing it um and some say they some say they, they are and therefore it's curtailing free speech and others say they're not doing anything at all but it's interesting that climate hasn't really found itself in that particular debate until now yeah it needs to be done as well we started a project a few months ago along with uh, rob del Naya, creative director at forest green and, and and friend i had the idea that we could try to use uh, bots to t- to target the climate denial bots themselves you know create yeah. an eco bot army and uh, we've been pursuing that for a few months it's morphed into something slightly different and we're going to uh, launch it just ahead of cop but it's all about this space the online space and the kind of uh, the abuse of it i would say yeah. by commercial interests good work dale that's it for this episode oh, have a good quick. Have a good week. It has gone quick, hasn't it? Yeah. And it was longer than normal as well. Have a good week. We'll speak next week. Yeah, thanks, Ian. See you later. Cheers, Dale. And that's it for this episode. Don't forget to follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Leave a review there too. And make sure you follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. We'll speak to you next week. Zero. Carbon. East off.